This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. The question is, are you ready? This is The Drive with Josh Graham. Walking here. On Sports Hub Triad. You are on The Drive. Well, we finally made it to Friday. The end of Super Bowl and Duke Carolina week. Robert, I've spent way too much time researching, thinking about, and talking about these games. We've had callers, emails, emailers, tweeters reaching out asking me who I think's going to win between the Bucks and Chiefs and the Blue Devils and the Tar Heels. It's about that time. Last night, I started to feel pretty good about my picks. It's time to let you know what I think's going to happen. Let's start with Super Bowl 55. All throughout my life covering sports, covering football, high school, college, even the NFL, when I talked to coaches, they said, if you want to figure out who's going to win 80, 90% of the time, look who's better up front. That's generally going to be your answer. Tampa Bay, unquestionably, is better up front, and for other reasons as well, some stats, historical figures I'll get to in a minute, the Bucks seem to me perfectly equipped to end this long run the Chiefs have had. Patrick Mahomes only losing one start in his last 25 or 26 games. The Bucks are perfectly equipped to win this game. I like Tampa Bay to win Super Bowl 55. Even though, all throughout history, 85, 90% of the time, the teams that are better up front wins, doesn't mean they win all of the time. I think last year's Super Bowl was an example of the 10, 15%. San Francisco, up in the fourth quarter, they win that game every single time. All throughout history, San Francisco is the one holding up the trophy because they're better on the D-line, they're better on the O-line, They're up by 10 in the fourth quarter. You don't see comebacks in that spot. You got Pat Mahomes at third and 15. What does he do? He converts. They win that game. I feel that's an anomaly. The reason San Francisco didn't complete that game was because they had Jimmy Garoppolo starting at quarterback. Tampa Bay does not have Jimmy G. They have somebody, I think, that's slightly better. Tom Brady... He can still go blow for blow with anybody. You can tell who's only watching football casually when you have some analysis out there saying, well, this is just like Peyton Manning five years ago going up against the Carolina Panthers. Peyton Manning, he wasn't that great because he was older, the oldest Super Bowl starter at that point in history. Tom Brady's broken that record. This is going to be the fourth time he's broken that mark at 43 years old. Peyton, he threw for what, 100 yards in that game? Brock Osweiler was starting during that season. That's not the reason the Denver Broncos beat the Carolina Panthers. It was because of that pass rush. It was because of how great Denver was on both sides of the ball up front. Tom Brady can still go blow for blow for it, uh, with anybody. We saw that in the first half, how he was slinging it with Aaron Rodgers. That's in... Frigid weather in January in Lambeau. Now he's at home 
and a comfortable space. Familiar stadium, gets to sleep in his own bed. You really want to bet against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? Because I don't. You look at some of the stats. He threw for 500 yards in a Super Bowl at the age of 40. He led the league this year in 20-plus yard throws. That's not somebody with a diminished arm. He still got it. And historically, I love this stat, Brady gets it done in matchups of MVPs facing off. Robert, there's been 11 Super Bowl matchups in history featuring quarterbacks that have either won an MVP or would go on to win an MVP. 11. So a fifth of the Super Bowls now feature MVP quarterbacks going at it. Seven of the last eight have been won by the elder MVP quarterback. The exception? Tom Brady facing Kurt Warner. So in these situations where it seems to be the passing of the torch, I hear that narrative thrown out there a bunch, even though I don't like the word narrative. I guess it's a storyline out there. You would think the young buck has the advantage over the 43-year-old. I don't see that. I'm going to go with Tom. After all, Tom was the one that went into Kansas City and beat Mahomes when he won the MVP two years ago. I'm going to go with Tom. The Bucks. They've also been more battle-tested. This is the concern that reminds me of the Panthers five years ago. The Panthers were 15-1. and one. They were cruising. They didn't really had a, have a test at any point of the playoffs leading up to the big game. And then they were made uncomfortable in the second half in a way they hadn't been uncomfortable all year long. Kansas City, with the exception of that Oakland loss, make it the Las Vegas loss, they haven't been punched in the nose in how long. Yeah, they fell behind in the first quarter. But I'm talking about if you're playing four quarters with Kansas City, Kansas City hasn't been trailing in the second half of these games. They haven't been punched in the nose at any point. And I think even if you like the Chiefs, you probably expect that's going to happen Sunday afternoon. When that happened to Carolina, they looked like a deer in the headlights. What's Kansas City going to look like? Kansas City... Has all these moving parts. Mike Rimmers going from right tackle to left tackle. No Mitchell Schwartz. You have one of your best offensive linemen, a guard, opt out before the year. Your starting center. Oh, he was exposed to a barber who tested positive for COVID. He can't fly out until Saturday, and you hope he might be available. It is a glorified mess on the offensive side of the ball going up against Shaq Lawson, Vita Vea, who's back, JPP, Natama Kinsu. DVOA ranks Tampa Bay as the second-best defense. They're tied for fourth in team sacks this year. That's a problem. Here's another stat for you. This is the 14th time in Super Bowl history where the Super Bowl is a rematch of a regular season meeting. Kansas City winning in Tampa 27-24 back in November. This might surprise you, though. The team that won in the regular season is 6-7 and seven in the rematch. I think there's something to that. I like the Bucks. I'm not betting against Tom Brady. Let's shift things to Duke Carolina tomorrow. This has been Duke Carolina week. We're going to have Tar Heel National Champion David Noel join us at the bottom of the hour. 
He'll share some Roy Williams memories, share some memories playing in the rivalry, the Marvin Williams game. He was a part of it. Uh, the putback shot in 2005. That'll make Tar Heel fans pretty feel pretty good after what I'm about to say right now. I like Duke to win this game. I expect Duke to beat Carolina 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Here's my thinking. The Blue Devils have been Jekyll and Hyde at home. Jekyll and Hyde at home versus the road, I should say. Different basketball team when they're playing in Cameron. This is something Roy Williams talked about at the start of the week. Roy said, some say you don't get a home court advantage when you don't have any fans in the stands. He doesn't think that's true, and it's for a very practical reason. You get to shoot on the same rims that you're going to be playing on three or four times out of the week. And, of course, Duke knows those rims better than anybody else going into it. I think that's why Duke has been a totally different basketball team at Cameron than wherever else they've played in ACC competition. 4-0 at home in ACC games, 1-4 on the road. Explain it to me. How does a team that looks as scary as the one Duke put on the floor Saturday against Clemson then go on the road and look so small against Miami? I think Roy's on to something with his theory from earlier in the week. Coach K, he called out his team's toughness publicly. Called them very soft. Matthew Hurt was talking to reporters yesterday and said, when a coach says that, yeah, it motivates you. When a coach comes out there and challenges your toughness, Roy didn't do that after the Clemson game. He might have done it practice. But Duke was embarrassed. I don't know if North Carolina was embarrassed. Clemson has done that to a number of teams this year. They have a ton of quad one wins. Duke was embarrassed. Their manhood has been tested. So I expect them to be the aggressors tomorrow night. I expect it to be Matthew Hurt, who's a really tough cover for North Carolina, in the same way that Amir Sims gave North Carolina a ton of problems on Tuesday. And I also think it's a more important game for Duke than it is North Carolina. Let me be clear. I'm not saying North Carolina doesn't care about Duke. That's not what I'm saying here. But when you look at the standings, North Carolina has double-digit wins. Duke does not. Duke is at 7-6 and six right now. If they lose, they're going to be 500, both overall and in their conference record. That's not what North Carolina is dealing with. They're not in as dire straits as Duke is. If they lose to Duke, North Carolina, they'll get another shot at the Blue Devils at the Smith Center. But this is Duke having its manhood tested, playing at home with one game over 500 after an embarrassing loss. I think the Blue Devils win this game. So I like the underdog in Super Bowl 55. Give me the Buccaneers. I also like the Blue Devils who I'm looking at opening lines put out by FanDuel, a seven-point favorite against the Tar Heels. That's what I'm thinking for the games we've been talking about all week long. I'm interested what Tar Heel fans think of it. Ed's one of those. Ed in Winston-Salem. I like Duke to win tomorrow. What do you think? Uh, I think it's going to be a close game, Josh, like you said all along. Um, 
you know, they're very much alike. If you go and look at all their statistics, <laughs> there is very little in between them, especially uh, the points per game, Duke 74, Carolina 73. And then you look at all the shooting percentages, turn- or, you know, turnovers, rebounds. Uh, you know, they're very close. There's not a whole lot. I think that seven-point spread may be a little bit high, but you made a good point a while ago. Um, I didn't catch, you know, what Duke's uh, – one and lost record is at home and on the road, but Carolina's road record is terrible. Two yeah. and four, but they're four at home, and that could be a deciding factor tomorrow, yeah. like you said. Thanks for the call, Ed. Duke is four and zero oh in ACC games at home, one and four in road games. We'll talk more Tar Heels, Blue Devils with David Noel, Tar Heel national champ, in a little over fifteen minutes. Robert, I mentioned point spreads for both Duke Carolina and also for Tampa Bay Kansas City. For the last time until late August, early September, I've got best bets. On the year, Robert, we've never had a losing season. What a run we've had in the playoffs. We are 50-49-2. Let me say that again. 50-49-2, which means it's all riding on the Super Bowl. And I'm going big. I don't think I've ever had a losing weekend in the Super Bowl. Love betting props. Love betting the game. So I've got eight picks. Eight picks for Super Sunday that I'll share with you of one final for this season edition of Best Bets next on The Drive. Let's go! And QID. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Well, Tar Heel National Champ going to join us in 15 minutes. Have you ever seen Billy Joel in concert, Robert? I haven't, and he's coming to Charlotte at the end of March. And I'm wondering, yeah, I know. It's I'm like, is it going to be okay to go to concerts by then? I saw him with Hayes Permar at what was then BB&T Field, now Truist Field, Wake Forest Football Stadium. Great show. Doesn't need an opening act. Cut from that Bruce Springsteen cloth. Just a tremendous show. I'm going to step out here. I'm going to play a ton of songs. I'm going to leave. I'm going to wave goodbye. That's it. Heck yeah. I'm all about it. The tickets were high, though. It was like 250 the worth ones it. I were looking at. You think it's worth it? Worth it. 100%. Go see Billy Joel. I hope these picks will allow you, Robert, the capability, you know, if gambling were legal and such. Yeah, if it were. For you, for you to, you know, get the funds necessary to cash in on a Billy Joel show or something like that. Well, I mean, 500 bucks for two tickets. we got to go big. That's right, Robert. I've got eight picks. Eight. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. I've got eight. Eight picks for Super Sunday. And there's a lot on the line for me. I've, said, I've been doing this for five years now. Five football seasons. And I've never had a losing season. Never had a losing year. Last year, we had a tremendous season. Great run to the playoffs. This year, we've needed a great run just to finish above 500. We're at 50-49-2 on the season. I got eight picks I'm giving out for Super Sunday. It all rides on this. So before we get back to Tar Heels, Blue Devils with David Noel joining us. For the last time until the fall, it's time for the best bets. You're up. 
Attention, please. Please do not turn off your radio. Why? Let's start with the actual game. I think the Buccaneers are going to win outright. So I'm going to take the Bucks plus three against Kansas City. Now, I do feel like this line's going to move to three and a half on Sunday. So if it does, I'm taking the Bucks plus three and a half. But right now it's at three. I think Kansas uh, Buccaneers are going to win the game, so it's not really going to matter. But I love that I'm getting points, and I've got Tom Brady behind me here. Love Tampa Bay up front. Tom Brady, I think it's going to look a lot more like he did in the first half against Green Bay than the second half. I think they win the game. I really do. So why not take the team That's a three-point underdog? Put some money on it. Robert, interested what you make of these. Again, you're trying to figure out how to afford a Billy Joel concert and such. Travis Kelsey, under 94.5 yards. His median yardage this year is 98 yards. He's cracked close to 100 yards every game since week 8. But I don't know. I look at the teams he's been doing it against. Eh. I feel like Todd Bowles getting a second crack at this offense and getting a second crack at Kelsey. That's going to be the guy they take away. 94 and a half is just too many yards. Yeah, that's high. And the only reason I would push back against that is with Mahomes' offensive line being battered. He might need to get the ball out quick. He might force it to his security blanket. Uh, but it's about yards, not catches. So hopefully if they are going to stop him, they'll hold him underneath that. I, I don't have any problem with that. Put some money on it. Here's an over I have. Chris Godwin over five and a half catches. You love this pick, right? Uh, absolutely. I think he's the best receiver on the team. The dude's a stud, and Brady knows that. He's going to attack the, the, the mismatch. Just looking at the numbers here. He's only been targeted, I think he's been targeted less than five times once this year. And that was a two-catch game, right? I think that's yeah. the game he got hurt in. He got hurt against the Minnesota Vikings, so that's the only time. Every other game he's been targeted a ton, especially of late. Nine times against the Packers, seven times against the Saints, 12 times against Washington. This is not a great Kansas City defense. I think Chris Godwin's going to get his. It will be over five and a half catches. Put some money on it. Tom Brady over half an interception. Tom has thrown a pick in five of his nine Super Bowls that he's played in. Doesn't mean he's going to lose the game. He threw two or three picks against uh, the Seattle Seahawks. He threw three picks against the Green Bay Packers the last time out. Threw a pick against the Carolina Panthers. I think it was Dante Wesley that picked off Tom. That speaks to how long he's been playing. Dante Wesley picking him off in the Super Bowl? Come on. I think Tom's going to throw a pick in the game going over there. Put some money on it. This is another, I think, sure thing. Over half a two-point conversion attempt, which means at some point... One of these two analytically driven, ballsy, aggressive coaches are going to decide to go for two. That's all I need, Robert. I don't need it to to be successful. I just need it to be an attempt. I love this. Over half a two-point conversion attempt in the game. There's going to be at least one two-point drive. 
put some money on it. Both teams are going to lead in the first half. That's my next bet. Super Bowls in the first half are generally lower scoring. I do not like betting unders on games that I plan to watch. I feel like they're rooting against fun. So instead, I'm just going to bet both teams leading in the first half. Maybe the first or second drive, you get a field goal. Next scene gets a touchdown. I think it's going to be back and forth, especially early on. Both teams going to lead. I love that one. Put some money on it. Over four combined sacks. I think Jason Pierre-Paul might have two or three by himself in this game, considering how bad things are for the Kansas City O-line. Problem is, how many will KC get? It's not a bad defensive line Kansas City has. Tom Brady's just so good at getting rid of the football. So I'm a little concerned about it. It's not my favorite bet, but I think at worst, uh, the worst case scenario is it matches the number four. I don't think it loses. So I'll go over four combined sacks. Put some money on it. If this makes you feel any better, I feel like Kansas City has the best uh, secondary blitzer in Tyron Matthew. He doesn't really have the stats to prove it, but he gets a lot of pressure when he's not in coverage. So, I mean, you could get a sneaky little DB blitz sack off of him. And Tampa Bay leads the NFL and blitzes cold. Uh. So, there's going to be a lot of blitzes sent by Todd Bowles, especially considering the state of the KCO line. Last pick. Over two and a half commercials featuring a face mask being worn. Robert, this is a surefire lock, right? I think so, especially because when I went through the commercials... That, that are already leaked. Yeah, they're already leaked. Like, oh, no. Ford has a commercial with a mask. There's another company that shows masks. And that's two right off the bat. That's like, a prop I love. Yep. Can't make a lot off of it. it. So over two and a half commercials featuring a medical face mask being worn. Okay. So here are the picks in review. Last best bets. Bucks plus three against the Chiefs. If it climbs the three and a half, I've acknowledged it here. I will take the three and a half uh, on Sunday if I need to. Travis Kelsey under 94 and a half yards. Chris Godwin over the five catches. Tom Brady going to throw at least one interception. There's going to be at least one two-point conversion attempt. Both teams are going to lead in the first half. Over four combined sacks. Over two and a half commercials featuring a face mask being worn. I love these picks this weekend, man. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Those are the best bets. For Super Bowl 55. All right. Now, I like to get a little risky, so I, this doesn't count as best bets, but I just need you to pick one of these two players. Okay. What do you got? Uh, the odds I like for first player to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I always hate this one. I, see, I love it because it's so random. Like, if you look at, like, the Ravens, it was uh, a tight end that hadn't scored for them all year. Give in me Pringle for Kansas City. <laughs> Byron Pringle. He doesn't even have odds right now. Right now, the odds I like are Cameron Bray at plus 2,500 and Miko Hardman at plus 2,000. If you had to guess, you're Gronk. just guessing. Give me Gronk. You want Gronk? Gronk is at odds at, and I don't see his odds either. So he's probably underneath Tom Brady at 2,800. I'll go Gronk. It's a good. I like that as sneaky. Gronk on Tampa, Pringle on KC. I'd probably Iron go Pringle. break because I just, uh, it, it's oh. such a sneaky play. Sneaky, sneaky. What kind of food are you going to be eating for the Super Bowl? Uh, I don't know, man. That's so depressing because I love going to Super Bowl parties where everyone does the potluck thing and brings like a big dish of whatever. I don't uh, think I'm doing that this year. What are you going to do? Just I did a deal where I invited a few people over, but my friend who has a bigger house says, oh, yeah, how about you come on over? Problem is they have a stream, so they have like Hulu TV. Uh, so it's behind. Here's my thing. Can't do it. Sorry. 
I, you know, if I, I'm going to be on Twitter this entire game, it's kind of how things work where I'm kind of following all these things as it happens. Also, I don't trust internet streams at strangers' places, even if it's friends of mine. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to trust the more reliable cable. For sure. That's where I'm at on What's it. your uh, must-have Super Bowl food? Like, you make, make it every year. Don't have one. Really? I love wings, though. So wings I might is get a good wings. option, though. Mine is I might probably... do that. I'm going to get some wings for... The Super Bowl, probably. Or I might go to Costco. They have those. The platters. Uh-huh. I might just get one of those platters. Nice. For two. <laughs> for me and Sarah Bradford. I always go a uh, garbage dip with the cream cheese sausage dip. Wow. I love it. It's big time. Okay. To cap our series of former Tar Heels and Blue Devils on the show this week, and it's been a great series of guests we've had, Tar Heel National Champ David Noel will join the show next on The Drive. You're on the air. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. We're loaded the next 30 uh, thirty minutes, fam. We've got 30 Darren Bowers. 30 hours. <laughs> we ain't quitting. <laughs> yeah. We're about 24 hours, 25 and a half hours away from Duke Carolina. And to share some more memories of the Duke Carolina rivalries, David Noel now joining us. But we're going to have back-to-back guests. Darren Vaught's going to join us. We'll play the movie game in about 15 minutes. I also have some absolutely crazy Tom Brady Super Bowl stats I'll share with you in about five or six minutes. But David joins us now. You know him from the Player in the Fan podcast. David Noel doing a great job with uh, Kiara Luck covering all things Tar Heels. He's a national champion. David how are the nerves different for a Duke Carolina game if you're in that locker room than, let's say, the national championship game you getting set for Illinois? Definitely a little bit, uh, a little bit more for the Duke Carolina game because you know it's the biggest rivalry in in college basketball. You 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 want to win that game. Um, now for for the national championship, I will say it was it was very very nerve wracking. You you it was the first time that 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 we had been there as a group. Um, so there was definitely a lot of nerves, but that North Carolina Duke rivalry is is definitely on par with that type of feeling every single time you play it. And we've heard that all throughout the week. B Rob was with us on Monday, Javin Delorier Tuesday, Kenny Williams Wednesday, and yesterday. It was Vernon Carey who only got a chance to experience it twice. See, you were around as the coaching change happened, Matt Doherty mm-hmm. to Roy Williams. What do you remember your absolute first impression of Coach Williams being, David? So I'll, So here's the story that, <laughs> that's kind of crazy. So I re- my first interaction was actually with Coach Williams our freshman year when we played Kansas in the uh, preseason NIT. And uh, Coach Doherty knew exactly what Kansas wanted to do because, again, you know, North Carolina, Kansas, uh, uh, Coach Williams, Coach Doherty come from the same cloth with Coach Smith, and they are – we're re- literally running the same thing. And so Coach, Coach Doherty puts in, you know, some stuff for us to run against Kansas that we hadn't done because he knew exactly what type of defense Kansas was going to play because of Coach Williams and all that kind of stuff. So as we're like we're we're drilling Kansas, 
And Coach Williams is going ham on the sideline. I'm talking about he's going nuts. All of the daggums and all of that kind of stuff you're hearing. And then so as he's going nuts, I'm like, man, he's crazy. I don't never want to play for that guy. <laughs> and then sure enough, the next year he becomes the coach. And so I was like, oh, man. But the, the crazy part about it is, again, at that particular time I was a walk-on, and Coach Doherty had promised me the scholarship the next year. Uh, so with the coaching change, all of that was kind of up in the air. But the one thing I can say is my teammate stepped up for me, Ray, Raymond Felton. That was one of the first questions that he asked to Coach Williams was would I be getting my scholarship that next year. And when he said yes, like I was – like the whole world fell off of my shoulders. And from that point on, I was forever grateful for Coach Williams for giving me that opportunity and, and just tried to do whatever I could for him from that point on. I don't know if you remember it, but the first impression I had – was the press the press conference he had returning to Chapel Hill, and it's mm-hmm. still the strangest one that I could ever remember because any time a coach takes the new job, you might have a throwaway line or two about the place you were just at, but literally, not an exaggeration, half that press conference was about Kansas and how bad yeah. he felt to be leaving that program. When you were sitting there hearing your new coach speak, what were you thinking? Uh, it was I, like we understood it, um, but just simply because of you got to remember Kansas was just coming off of a national championship yeah. run, um, and so they when they when they lost that game, I even remember the interview afterwards, and they when when they asked him about North Carolina, and he was like, "Don't you ask me nothing about." It. We actually <laughs> like, have yeah, that yeah, sound, yeah. I think. Uh, oh, if you want to, you can't <laughs> say exactly what Roy said on the air. Right. Right, uh, but yeah, he he definitely he doesn't care. He doesn't board. care about North Carolina, Roy Williams. Uh, that sounds yeah. something like this, I believe. I could give a about North Carolina right now. <laughs> that's it. That's exactly what it was. And so we were like, ooh. And so, but when 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 and again we again we kind of understood like the at that particular time just losing the national championship that kind of deal as as players we didn't necessarily take it personal. So once he came in, we knew we were getting a, a great coach. We knew we were getting a guy who loved the university. We knew we were getting a guy that was cut from the same cloth of, 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 of your Dean Smith saying you're Matt Doherty. So uh, we, we appreciated and welcomed the challenge. And, and, and you see what happened after that. He turned us into national champion. So we were, we, were, we were forever grateful. It's national champion David Noel with us here. Former Tar Heel. Find uh, his podcast, The Player in the Fan Podcast with Kiara Luck. Also does great work with our guy B-Dot uh, in the Heels house as well. I'm sure that's going to be jumping tomorrow for the Duke-Carolina game. I, I'm going to be honest. I, I like Duke to win the game just because Duke seems to be that a different so team. At, oh, I don't know if it's disrespectful <laughs> in the fact that Duke Duke's 4-0 and at home in ACC games. They're 1-4 on the road. Coach Williams was talking about it earlier this week. saying Some say that you don't get an advantage playing at home without the fans. Uh, but you, you get to shoot on the same rims three or four times a week that you're going to be playing in the game. And if Duke loses it, there'll be a 500 team. I don't know the last time that's happened. So give me the case for North Carolina. I think it's going to be a great game. It certainly wouldn't surprise me if North Carolina wins. David Noel, what has to happen for the Tar Heels in order to come out on top? they got to dominate on the inside. And that's that's been the niche for North Carolina all year. And we also have to have steady guard play. Um when North Carolina wins, they dominate the backboards, they dominate the paint, 
and then our guards step up and they play the capable basketball that they're capable of playing. So I think that's the biggest thing for tomorrow. They're, they're going to have to do a great job on, 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 on Hurt, keep him from getting his buckets, mm-hmm. and then everything else. I think if you, keep, if you keep Hurt in check, then your Wendell Moores and, and uh, your Roaches and all of those guys, I think they'll kind of they'll try to do too much. And that's when Duke isn't really the Duke team that they've been accustomed to being over the past few years. So hopefully that can happen for us where we dominate the paint. We get to the free throw line early and we actually make our free throws kind of deal. Um, so if that can happen early and often, then I think North Carolina comes out with the win. Um, definitely going to be a tough, even without the Cameron crazies at Cameron Indoor Stadium, it's still going to be tough. But at the end of the day, I, I think North Carolina can pull it out. Two quick things, David. Are you superstitious when you watch Duke Carolina? I am not. Okay, I like to hear that. There's a lot of a lot of former players, even after they're done playing, that are superstitious. And before I get to some of these crazy Tom Brady stats, uh, what are the what's your pick for the game? What do you think happens in Super Bowl Fifty Five? I got the Chiefs, man. I, I think it's going to be a close game. It's hard to bet against Tom Brady. Um, and, and, and as much as I don't like Tom Brady because I'm a Peyton Manning fan, to me, oh, yeah. Peyton Manning is the GOAT. But he's not, he's not the GOAT. Tom Brady's definitely the GOAT. But <laughs> I, he's, he's up there. He's my GOAT. I'll put it that way. Um, so I, I think the Chiefs win it. Uh, I think it'll definitely be a, be a close game, though. And I think Tom will uh, come back maybe next year. and He'll probably get it done next year, though. David Noel. Appreciate you spending the time, man. Thank you for uh, squeezing in the triad. I'm sure we'll catch up somewhere down the line. Absolutely, man. Thank you all for having me. There you go. It's David Noel, former North Carolina national champ. Robert, this is the craziest stat. Actually, you let me know which of these stats you find to be the most mind-numbing when it comes to Tom Brady and the Super Bowl. The first one involves Jake DeLome, of all people. Jake DeLome threw three touchdowns in the Super Bowl versus Tom Brady, Super Bowl 38. Those touchdowns, those three touchdowns combined, go for 136 yards. Tom Brady has thrown one, uh, he's thrown 18 touchdowns in his Super Bowl career, 15 more than Jake. But if you combine those 18 touchdown throws, the yardage is still three yards short of the three touchdown throws that Jake had in his one Super Bowl. That's just ridiculous. 136 to 133. When you think about it, I think Jake still has the longest touchdown throw, 84 yards to Moose and Muhammad. You also have the 50-yard throw that Jake had to Steve Smith. That is still one of the most beautiful throws I've ever seen in the Super Bowl. Like when you watch that, Robert, when you watch the Steve Smith uh, touchdown, it is an absolute perfect ball. Carolina had beautiful touchdowns in that game. The other one that stands out is the photo of Deshaun Foster just diving into the end zone. Really cool there. So that's a Tom Brady stat I find to be crazy. This one too. Tom has played in 14 conference title games. That's more than 26 franchises in the NFL. Tom's played in more conference title games than 26 of the 32 franchises in the league, and he's played for one of them. (laughs) He's played for one of the teams that's had 14. That blows me away. But then there are some that are exactly linked 
to the team he plays for now. Tom Brady, this is his first year with the Bucks. He's thrown seven touchdowns in these playoffs. That's more playoff touchdowns than the next best Buccaneer quarterback in the playoffs, Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson, who took him to the Super Bowl. They went to the playoffs every year. Had the classic game against the Rams in a championship game in 1999. Brady, seven touchdowns to Brad Johnson's playoff career total of five. Is that one better than this? Brady has more Super Bowl appearances, 10, than the Buccaneers have playoff wins all time with nine. I'll probably take the second one there. Because, like, the Bucks aren't spring chickens, you know. Been around since the late 70s. You had the winless season. You had Leroy Selman, but aside from Leroy Selman, nothing. Did nothing with Doug Williams. Couldn't, you know, things didn't work out with Steve Young before you let him go to the San Francisco 49ers. Don't sleep on Josh Freeman, though. Those Josh Freeman years. I think Skip Bayless, his worst take he's ever had was that Josh Freeman was better. I forget what quarterback he said he was better than. I think Josh Freeman's better than Cam. I think that's something that Skip Bayless said once upon a time. It depends what year, man. You can pull up some weird-looking Josh Freeman stats uh-huh. and think he's going to be those, good. The best stat, I led with the best one. DeLome, three touchdowns for 136 yards in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, 18 touchdowns for 133. I'm trying to figure out what his longest touchdown is. Like, If that's the case, then what is the longest one? Is there a bunch of seven-yard, five-yard, four-yard touchdown yeah. throws? Randy Moss on a slant, that's a short one. Deion Branch, corner of the end zone, that's a short one. David Patton in his first Super Bowl, that's a short one. Thinking about some of the other ones that might stick out. Throwing to James White in the Falcons Super Bowl, that's a short one. Uh, I think it was Danny Amendola who had the really important one against the Seahawks in 14. That was a short touchdown. He didn't even have one against the Rams. No touchdown throws against the Rams. Against the Eagles, he threw for a million yards. I don't remember any of the touchdown throws he had. It's just a mind-numbing stat. And there are a ton of them when it comes to Tom Brady. All right, we'll get to the Super Bowl in a bit with our next guest. But we need to talk Carolina Panthers while we got him. Joe Person joining us from The Athletic, longtime Panthers beat writer. Been writing all week about the Panthers quarterback situation since the reporting was out there. They put a number one out on the table to try and bring in Matthew Stafford. Deshaun Watson, that's the next fish that I'm sure Scott Fitterer is trying to reel in. Then the story published today by Joe, if there's one player who can handle all the quarterback talk, it's Teddy Bridgewater. Of course, talking about what I believe to be the most likely scenario and that's Carolina going with Teddy again this year. Not to say that there won't be a quarterback they draft this year who works behind Teddy, but I think that's still the most likely scenario. But let's talk about Watson, and I appreciate the time, Joe, as always. I understand Scott wants to be aggressive, Scott Fitterer, but how much in your mind is too much to surrender for a quarterback we can all acknowledge is a franchise guy like Deshaun? It's a great question. It's hard to quantify. I I tried to this week. Our our Houston Texans writer for The Athletic asked those of us who cover a team who might 
be in the Watson sweepstakes to propose a trade. I offered up three first-round picks uh, each of the next starting this year, uh, a third-rounder next year, and uh, threw in Trey Boston because uh, the the Texans apparently are more interested in uh, getting some young, not the Trey super young, but defensive starters, proven defensive guys, rather than say a Teddy Bridgewater. But I, you got to think the Panthers are going to try to move Bridgewater in any of these deals. I, I'm certain that they were asking the Lions if they would take Teddy off their hands. Uh, because otherwise, in the Stafford example, you if, if you get Stafford and they don't want Bridgewater, then you've got $43 million bucks tied up uh, at the quarterback position next year, and, and uh, you, this year. And you hope you can, if if Teddy's not a part of the trade, you can still trade Teddy and get something back in return in terms of draft capital. John McClain, who's about as close to anybody in ownership to the Texans, put out, the I think, the price tag most people have been discussing, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two starters on defense, which, of course, had Panther fans talking about the three young defensive players that they've been leaning on or leaned on a lot this past season, Derek Brown, Jeremy Chen, and uh, Brian Burns, who was the first-rounder a couple years ago. So if it was two first-round picks, including number eight this year, two seconds this year and next, and let's say two out of those three guys, who says no? Dude, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Those are the, you know, maybe Derek Brown, but, like, when you talk about Burns and Chin, those are the best players on your defense. Like, they're your only real stars on defense. And, I mean, you've got to hang on. You know, at some point it's like, well, what's the point to your earlier question of how much is too much? I would err on the side of throwing to, you know, the, not, I've seen John McClain's reporting, you know, that there's also a school of thought is that the, the baseline is three first round picks. And maybe you can get away with that and of some package of picks rather than give up a Brian Burns or a uh, Jeremy Chin. Because to me, at that point, it, 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 there's a point at which it becomes a non-starter, and it's like, look, we're going to take our chances at number eight in the draft or trade up and you know get up ahead of the Falcons and, and try to get Zach Wilson uh, and, and or Justin Fields. How limited will the Panthers be? We're chatting with Joe Person here, by the way. Read his stuff at The Athletic on Twitter at Joseph Person. How limited is Carolina going to be in evaluating Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance, none of which were at the Senior Bowl last week. Well, for sure. I mean, of that group, I think Lance is the trickiest evaluation just because playing at the FCS level at North Dakota State and only really doing it for one season. Now, granted, it was a year where they played 16 games and won the national championship, but it's against FCS. So that makes each besides all the tape they're going to grind on it 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 makes the uh the pro days for each of those guys you mentioned so vital uh and and you know especially if they if panthers get through free agency at the end of march and they still don't have a uh, you know a, a quarterback other than teddy bridgewater then you can believe that those pro days become the utmost uh, of the utmost importance are they going to be allowed to bring in these guys 
No, there are no free agent, no, no pre-draft visits at the facility. Okay. Uh, you can't, I don't believe you can even do the private workouts with them. So that, that's what I mean. Like after the senior bowl, which I was down in Mobile last week and, and got to see the senior quarterbacks, uh, kind of a mixed bag at best, but you know, that's it. I mean, now next up in terms of in-person eyeball, uh, you know, on live football drills, it's pro days uh, starting in March. Joe Person's with us here. Let's get to the Super Bowl. I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the reason why I'm taking Tampa, I've covered high school, college, and NFL football, and coaches behind the scenes and even publicly at all three levels have told me, if you want to see who wins 80 to 85% of the time, look at who's better in the trenches. And Tampa Bay is no question better in the trenches. What makes me scared about it is because of how talent, talented Patrick Mahomes is. Last year, San Francisco was better in the trenches, led by 10 in the fourth quarter. I think 90% of the time in general football, uh, in generalities, San Francisco wins that game. They didn't because they didn't have Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City did. Uh, I take Tampa because they're better in the trenches, and I would say Tom Brady is a slight upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo this time around. I think they're going to win the game. What's your lean on Tampa, Kansas City? I like the Chiefs. I can't argue with your line of thinking, uh, especially having covered Super Bowl 50 where Mike Remmers playing right tackle was completely overwhelmed by Von Miller and company. Really, you know, a couple plays in that game that that absolutely uh, lost the game for the Panthers, beginning with the the strip sack of Cam that was the Broncos recovered in the end zone. Panthers never really recovered. I mean, they they never led after that. Um, so yeah, the fact that Mike Remmers now has to start at left tackle against the likes of Shaq Barrett and all those terrific Bucks pass rushers would definitely give me pause if I'm a Chiefs fan. That said, I. They just have so many weapons. They get the ball out. Mahomes gets the ball out pretty quickly. Uh, I think they have some speed and other things they can do to kind of try to defeat that rush and the the, the trench matchup you're talking about. It, but uh, you know, I think it's been, you know Brady too. You know, he had that game uh, in the NFC Championship game where he really had a bad stretch of the three picks. You know, if he goes through anything remotely resembling that Sunday, Chiefs aren't going to let them off, let them off or him off the hook like like the Packers did. So, uh, I'm going with the Chiefs. I've got it like 31-24 in a f- pretty fairly high scoring game. But you know, I I think it'd be a good game. I think so too. Really exciting Super Bowl. We talk about Duke Carolina always delivering. The Super Bowl always delivers too. It seems like, with the exception of that. Denver Seattle game uh, in the Meadowlands about eight or so years ago. But we just won't talk about that one. Joe Person, appreciate you spending the time as always. Keep up the great work covering the Panthers. We will be certainly reading it on Twitter at Joseph Person and, of course, from The Athletic. Thanks for the time, buddy. Appreciate it, buddy. Have a good weekend.